Guest speaker today, uh, his name is Pastor Eric Lehman. He's here with his wife, Sarah, and there are four children, Sierra, Skyler, Erickson, and Ryder. Ages 11, 9, 6, and 3. Is that right? All right. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I got to go swimming with them at the Grand Hyatt Hotel the other day. And so uh, it, was a, it was a great time. I got to hang out with Pastor Eric Lehman this past week with uh, Pastor Sam Song from Solomon's Porch in Hong Kong. And uh, just spending time with uh, them both. I was just learning a lot and just soaking in a lot. And I just noticed that uh, Pastor Eric's just a, really a man of uh, the spirit, but also a man of character, just a man of immense love. And so we're in for a really special treat. Just to tell you about him, Eric Lehman is the founding and senior pastor of Freedom International Church located in Wesley Chapel, Florida, a little bit north of Tampa. It is an apostolic church that is multiracial and multiethnic. Something cool about Pastor Eric is he grew up in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which used to be known as Zaire. Did I get that right this time? All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was there where he began to uh, began his ministry by preaching on the streets and, and uh, praying for sick and ministering in signs and wonders. Uh, he has also uh, uh, started a ministry called Healing to the Nations, uh, where they travel and touch and empower pastors and just minister to people in the power of the Holy Spirit. So without further ado, I just want to welcome up Pastor Eric Lehman to the pulpit today. Come on, church. Well, amen, amen. Well, glory to God. Thank you, Pastor. And just want to honor Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. What a blessing to be with you guys. And we did enjoy just our fellowship and getting to know one another. You know, relationship is everything in the kingdom of God. I don't know if you know that. You can only take two things to heaven with you. You realize that? Your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with other people. Yet we spend a whole lot of time doing a whole lot of other stuff. Amen. And uh, so we thank the Lord for that. We just value relationship. Uh, we've been close friends of Pastor Sam and Lisa Song for many, many years. And it was through them that we met uh, Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. And that's the way the kingdom works. Amen. It's out of relationship. And so uh, I just appreciate the fire in this house. Come on, touch somebody. Say there's fire in the house. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I want to say this. I don't want you to I'm not trying to sound important or anything, but uh, I've had the privilege of being in 57 nations of the world, many of them multiple times. So would you just believe me if I tell you God's doing something special right here at New Philly? Amen. Yeah, I, I, I'm not just saying that to make you feel good. I'm, I'm saying that. Because it's good to identify that, that God is doing something. And uh, I can see that when I started communicating with Pastor Christian, uh, immediately I just sensed, and here's what I wrote to him. I said, I feel like we might have the same DNA. Amen? Same DNA, same spirit. And so we thank the Lord for that. Yeah, so what a blessing. I just submit to you guys. And if I say anything that's out of place, uh, just stand up and rebuke me. I can take it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just going to come to you today like a big brother. Would that be okay? Maybe it, I guess like a dad. I, I was, I'm getting kind of older now, so 
Praise the Lord. I did grow up in the Congo, uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo. My parents were in the ministry. And uh, so uh, spent about 20 years there, uh, graduated from high school, came back to the States. And so I gave my life to Jesus when I was young, about six years old. But it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I was called to the ministry. And I was coming back to the States and I was flying on an airplane. And how many people know the Spirit of God can show up wherever and whenever He wants? And so I was just reading my Bible, praying, and suddenly the power of God hit me. And I started crying and that turned to weeping and sobbing. And I'm shaking on this plane. And I said, Lord, I'm, I'm on this plane. And he said to me, he said, I want you to serve me full time. I had no idea what that meant. Uh, I was just going to go to a large university, get my degree in communications. And, uh, but I said, yeah, Lord, I'll serve you. And so I was in the States at the time. And I loved the Lord with all my heart, but there was something missing in my life. You see, I didn't grow up in a charismatic church or a Pentecostal church. In fact, the church I grew up in, if you raised your hand, they'd have said, yep, it's down the hall and to the left. I mean, nobody raised their hand at all. Uh, so, so I had a relationship with the Father, I had a relationship with the Son, but I didn't understand anything about the Spirit of God. And so I was reading the book of Acts, and I'm reading about blind eyes opening, and cripples walking, and dead people coming back to life. And I said, yeah, I want some of that. I need some of that in my life. See, for me to read the Bible five minutes, it was tough. I'd get tired. I'd get bored. And so I knew the missing ingredient was the Spirit of God. And so then anything I could get my hands on, I began to devour Reading on the Holy Spirit, on revival, reading on uh, just uh, just digging into the Word of God. Make a long story short, God brought a man into my life, prayed that I'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some incredible things happened that night. I began to weep. I began to crawl. I'm literally rolling on the ground laughing. Uh, God released my prayer language, but the fruit of that experience, everyone say the fruit, say the fruit, the fruit, the fruit. The fruit of that is that I had an insatiable desire to get to know Jesus. I just couldn't get enough. And suddenly the Bible came alive. So I'm in the States and I go back to Africa and I'm just getting to know Jesus. But you know what? If you get to know Jesus, you're going to catch his heart and his agenda for humanity. And so one day I'm on the streets of the capital city, Kinshasa there. And a guy come up, comes up to me and wants to sell me some gold. And in the culture there, you barter for the price. And so I thought, man, I'm going to get some I'm going to get a good price for this. So we're bartering for the gold. And suddenly I had a word of knowledge. Now I never had a word of knowledge in my life, but I knew that God was speaking to me. And I looked at the man, I said, that's not real gold. He said, you know that and I know that. And God knows that. I said, hey, it's good to be a businessman, but you need to be an honest businessman. And I just began to share the gospel with him. Well, a few of his vendor friends came around and, you know, a crowd attracts a crowd. So soon there's 50 people, then there's 100 people. Then there's over 200 people and I'm preaching. I've never preached in my life. And I preach and I said, hey, who wants to give your life to Jesus? And people flooded to the front to receive Christ. Pastor, I said, this works. Hallelujah. So glory to God. That's where I went. I went down on the streets. I preached in marketplaces. I preached in the back of trucks. We have these big truck buses there. And uh, I never preached in the church. It was about a year before I ever preached in the church. So that's how I got started in the ministry. And uh, then I knew the Lord wanted me to go back to the States and get my degree, uh, finish up and, and get ready for the ministry. But I knew what I was called to do. Then I was called to preach and I, and I had a heart for the nations being multicultural and growing up overseas. I knew that God was calling me to the nations. Went back to university. That's where I went my, met my wife. 
And uh, we celebrate 17 years of ministry next week. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. And I just want to to encourage you guys. We built a friendship. It's really important. All we focused on was friendship. In fact, I went through a season when I was in Bible college that I was just intense on the Lord. And so I wasn't going to spend any time with anybody else, just with the Lord. And so to not blur the lines, we would do everything in groups. Uh, so that we would just hang out as friends and, you know, God will bless that if you'll just focus on friendship and then when it's time, he'll tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, did you notice this person over here? Come on, look to your neighbor and say, amen. And so after about a year of friendship, uh, I went back to Africa for some ministry. She went back to Colorado where she's from and all summer long, I'm fasting and praying, just seeking the Lord. And I thought, wow, this, this could be it. So I went back to school and I shared with her I'd been fasting and praying and shared that I really felt like the Lord was blessing our friendship and maybe the Lord had more to it than that. And so I shared a little bit of my feelings. And so she responded by telling me she had no romantic feelings for me at all. So I literally wept through the night. That's a true story. Make a long story short, over a few months, God did a miracle. Hallelujah. So. But I'll say this, and this is true. Marriage is wonderful. It is great. And so we're blessed with four kids. My first is Sierra. That means a range of mountains. Her middle name is Karis, which is the Greek for the joy of the Lord. And so we felt like the word of the Lord for her was that she would ascend mountains by the grace and the joy of the Lord. And we have Skylar. Skylar means wisdom and shelter. Her middle name is Everest. As you know, that's the highest peak in the world. So we felt like the word of the Lord for her is that she would climb the highest heights and she would be wisdom and shelter to many. And we have Eric's son. That literally means son of Eric. Hallelujah. And uh, so Eric means uh, Eric means king or lion. And so we felt like the word of the Lord for him is that she, he would have a revelation that he is the son of a king. His middle name is Noble, which means integrity. Uh, so think about that when you're naming your kids. Think about their destiny. Amen. And then we have Ryder. Ryder means mountain warrior. And uh, he shares his middle name with his brother, Noble. Uh, so we're just blessed. And this is a dream come true. Uh, we, as I shared with you, we've traveled all over the world But this is our first family ministry trip overseas. And so we just want to thank you for including our family. And uh, this is wonderful. For 10 years now, I've been traveling. Once we started having kids, Sarah was at home with the kids. And uh, the maximum I'll travel is 10 days at a time because we just don't feel like it's good to be away from the family for any longer than that. And so uh, just thank you, Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, for the honor of being with you guys. So. Uh, yeah, we have a ministry, we call it Healing to the Nations, uh, just traveling the world and equipping and training, and then our church, Freedom International Church. And we just believe, and I think you guys feel this way too, that God wants to set you free to be everything that he's called you to be. Amen? No hindrances, no limitations, nothing, no past hurts, nothing to keep you from bursting into your destiny. And so we believe that. Amen? Let's pray and I'll share with what what God has put on my heart. Daddy, we love you today. And Lord, I just thank you for the awesome privilege of being here at New Philly. I submit myself to Pastor Christian, to Pastor Aaron, to his leadership team. 
Lord, I submit myself to you. I hide behind the cross of Christ today. Lord, I hide behind the word of God. Daddy, I ask today that every word will be dripping with hot oil. Every word laced with power today. I loose the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the house. Lord, I thank you that when your word comes today, it's going to ignite something. It'll explode in our spirits and motivate us to action. Lord, we thank you that you called everybody in here to be extraordinary. You've got great plans for everybody in this house. And I give you the praise for that. And everyone shouted, Amen. Amen, amen. amen. I feel like I'm home, so I'm just going to go ahead and preach, so... All right, if you got your Bible, John chapter 11, I know we read it in the NASB. Let me read it to you. Forgive me, I preach out of the NIV. I I guess you guys use the NASB. Uh, We could use the Greek, though, if that'd help. John 11, here it is again. The title of the message today is Waiting for the Miracle. I want you to say that out loud. Say, Waiting for the Miracle. miracle. All right, look to your neighbor and say, Hey, sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to wait. Come on, find somebody. Come on, touch somebody, say, waiting for the miracle. Touch somebody, waiting for the miracle. John chapter 11 and verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, don't miss verse five. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I'll read it again. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there Where he was two more days. Now, the reason why I highlight verse five is that when you're waiting for a miracle, I don't know about you, but the enemy starts messing with your mind and it has to do with your identity. You start feeling like maybe God's not around. Maybe he has forgotten you. And so it's important that you stay rock solid on the revelation that God loves you, that he hasn't forgotten you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's got an extraordinary plan for your life. And so what I want to submit to you today, now watch this. He said that this will end for his glory. Now, would you agree? Let's get on the same page. Would you agree with me that Jesus received more glory by raising Lazarus from the dead than he would have if he'd healed him? In fact, if you read the end of the passage, the chapter, it says that many put their faith in Christ because he raised Lazarus from the dead. And so at the outset, I want to submit to you this. If you're waiting for a miracle, could it be that he wants to test you that this is a test and it's a lesson of trust that you would trust him? In other words, he wants to get glory out of your life. He wants to get glory out of the miracles that he's going to do in your life. And so if it's a test of you waiting on him, he might he's about to do something even greater than what you thought he was going to do by healing you instantly. Come on, somebody say waiting for the miracle, say, say waiting for the miracle. So the question today is why if you're what is what are you waiting for? 
Is it a career opportunity? Is it your breakthrough for inner healing? Is it a physical healing? Is it that relational place? Is it the spiritual promotion that you're longing for? If you're waiting, I want to submit to you that maybe God is trying to do something deeper on the inside of you. And maybe he's testing you in something. Because you know he can heal you instantly, right? You know, he can set you free instantly. You know, if you need a a financial miracle, he can do it instantly. He multiplied the bread. He can heal you instantly. So I want to submit to you with love and compassion today that if God hasn't released your miracle to you, maybe he's trying to show you something. And if I could embrace that, if we could embrace the deeper work and find out what he's doing on the inside of us, I want to submit to you that that then when you receive what you have or what he has promised to you, you're going to explode into a greater place with him because what you have learned on the way is much more important. Can you say amen to that? Say waiting for the miracle, waiting for the miracle. So the, the question today is why did Jesus wait for two days? Uh, as I shared with you, I've had the privilege of traveling. So I've been on a whole bunch of airplanes. And one of the things that's most frustrating when you're flying is when you're about to land and they put you in a holding pattern. And you begin to surround that city. And you're waiting. You just go around and around and around until they say it's time to land. Now, maybe that describes you today. I don't know about you, but many times I feel like God has spoken to me about something. I'm supposed to land somewhere. I'm supposed to go somewhere. I'm supposed to do something. And yet it it feels like he's got me in a holding pattern. This can be with your relationships, this can be with your finances, this can be with your ministry, but he puts you in a holding pattern. Now, here's a challenge. People respond differently. There are some people that respond with peace. There are some people that respond relaxed. And then I've noticed a lot of people that get frustrated. They berate the flight attendant. They get angry and frustrated and irritated with the person sitting next to them. It's too hot. It's too stuffy. I'm dying. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm getting tired of waiting. And so the question is, when you're in your holding pattern, what are you going to do? And there could be a lot of factors. One, it could be air traffic. So there could be a lot of spiritual warfare. Remember Daniel? As soon as Daniel prayed, the Bible says God heard him, but it took 21 days for the answer to get. Why? Because he was detained by the spirit of Persia. So there could be air traffic. There could be spiritual warfare that's keeping you uh, from receiving everything God has for you. Uh, Another thing, they may not be ready for you where you're about to land. You might be ready, but the ground crew may not be ready. Uh, God is in the business of getting people. He is orchestrating things right now in your life. A lot of times you might be ready, but the people that you're going to meet aren't ready yet. So he, come on, I think I'm talking to somebody. So, so that means this. He's getting some people ready. He's getting a situation. He's getting circumstances ready for you to land your plane. And so it's a lesson of trust. It's a lesson of you walking through that. So I want to share with you today a few principles that while you're waiting for your plane to land, what are you going to do while you're waiting for the miracle? And so one, you're going to remember God's love. God hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. It doesn't change his love for you. He could heal you in an instant. He could deliver you in an instant. He could set you free in an instant. He could provide for you in a moment of time. But yet he chooses to allow you to be in this holding pattern. And so what is the lesson? What does God want me to learn? How does he want me to respond as I wait for the miracle? Now I'm going somewhere with this, but let me set this up for you. 
Isaiah 61, verse 7, and I know you have this memorized, says this. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. Say it out loud. Double portion, double portion, double portion. They'll receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion. Say it again. Double portion. In their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. So here's what I want to submit to you. Let it go on the inside of you. That if you're in a holding pattern and if you're waiting, it could be that God is setting you up for double portion. Oh, come on, somebody. So that means this. See, you got frustrated because you just wanted the healing. But instead of just getting the healing, you're going to get resurrection. So again, God is in the business. He, he hasn't forgotten you. But what I want to submit to you is he's got something even greater. What they wanted was Lazarus to be healed. And they wanted him to be healed instantly right at that moment. And of course... We all understand that. That doesn't minimize the heartache and the heartbreak of what they were feeling. But God is looking from the outside in. But see, he sees the beginning and the end. Aren't you glad that he's the alpha and the omega? Aren't you glad that he's the beginning and the end? Aren't you glad that even if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and it hurts here, he still sees you're going to make it through. And when you make it through, there's going to be resurrection. Somebody. Say double portion. Touch your neighbor. Say double portion, double portion, double portion. So I just want to, I want to submit to you today that if you're waiting, if you're waiting, hold on. Because it could be that he's got something even better for you. In your relationships, in your ministry, in your finances. Come on, somebody. He's got double portion for you. Someone say waiting, say waiting, waiting for the miracle. So I want to give you three things today, three things to do while you're waiting for the miracle. Look at Exodus chapter 33, Exodus 33 and verse seven. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to his tent. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 11. The Lord would speak. To Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. But his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Number one, while you're waiting, you need to learn to pitch a tent and praise him. Say it out loud. Say pitch a tent and praise him. So here Moses is speaking face to face with the Lord. I want to submit to you today. If you're sitting on the plane waiting for your plane to land or waiting to get to your destiny, the test is this, is that you would build and develop intimacy with the Lord. Because again, he could release that to you instantly. So the test is, are you going to pitch a tent and praise him? Or are you going to whine? Are you going to complain? Are you going to get mad at everybody else? And I'm not minimizing, but I'm just saying, I know what we do as human beings. We take it out on everybody else around us. Am I going to do that? Or am I going to learn to pitch a tent and talk to him face to face? 
And so I figured this out that the older I get, the Lord has given me grace that no matter what happens, I can pitch a tent and watch this. You can pitch a tent wherever you're at. See, what he's after is to try to teach us to be supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. That means just wherever I'm at, I don't have to have the AC just right. I don't have to have the music just right. I can have chickens or kids running out in front and the, and the sick still get healed. Come on, somebody. And God still does his miracle. Why? Because I can pitch a tent wherever I'm at and talk to him face to face. And so God is trying to raise up a generation of people that will pitch a tent and praise him, irregardless of the circumstances, irregardless of what you're walking through. You'll pitch a tent, you'll praise him, you'll magnify him. And watch this, when you praise him, praise produces power. If you'll praise him, he said this, he lives in his praises. He lives in his praises. And if you'll praise him, he's there. So develop intimacy. I understand this is your year of intimacy here at New Philly. And so this is your opportunity, no matter what you're waiting for, to pitch a tent and say, you know what, Jesus, I j-. you know, he was talking to Jesus here, right? It's what we call theologically a Christophany. He was talking to Jesus face to face. He was worshiping Jesus face to face. Jesus wants you to get in his face and just worship him. You know, one of the things that blesses me about my kids is when you have a little child and they take your face in their hands... And they just hold you. And, you know, daddy loves kisses. And I'm always looking to kiss my kids. But when they reach up and touch me and kiss me, talk about moving the heart of a father. God's just looking for you to develop intimacy, to grab the beard of Jesus, look into his eyes and develop intimacy with him. Amen. Someone say pitch a tent, say pitch a tent, say pitch a tent and praise him. So the test is this, while you're waiting for the miracle that you and I would learn to pitch a tent, just develop intimacy with the father. Just develop intimacy with your daddy. You know, there's a big difference between father and daddy. A father is somebody that represents provision. A father is somebody that represents discipline. And when I discipline my children, I discipline them as a father. But a daddy is somebody that plays with you. A daddy is somebody that holds you. A daddy is someone that you develop that kind of relationship with. So maybe you're here today and you never had a dad for one day. Guess what? As Pastor Christian said, he becomes a father to the fatherless. He sets the lonely into families. And so maybe you need to be healed that. Maybe you had a great example of a dad. But either way, he wants you to understand Abba and to build intimacy with him. So if you're waiting for a miracle today, this is your opportunity to say, I'll pitch a tent and praise him. Hear the word of the Lord today. You know what? There's going to be a day you'll get so busy, you'll wish you had time to pitch the tent and praise him. I remember that. A pastor told me that in Bible college. He said, you know what? Enjoy the time that you want. Because we were chomping at the bit to preach. Chomping at the bit. I just want to go out and serve. He says, you know what? Enjoy. Because there'll be a day where you'll be serving him so much. You'll be looking for that time that you can just spend with him face to face. If you get that established now in your life, then you're going to have longevity for ministry. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, look to your neighbor say, waiting for the miracle, waiting for the miracle. So if you're on the airplane, pitch a tent. Say it, pitch a tent. And praise him. Uh, years ago, I was taking a young guy I was mentoring. We went to Nigeria and preached, uh, I forget it, I must have been there a week, I can't even remember, over a week, preached every day, all day long. And I was so exhausted that when I got on the plane, I begged 
the person, I showed him my flight status, and is there any way I can get an upgrade? No, your ticket's not upgradable, and, you know, it's an international flight. They never upgrade you for international flights. And so I was so exhausted, and so we sat down in, uh, in our seats, and after a few minutes, the flight attendant came back and said, Mr. Lehman? I said, yeah. I said, oh, we want to bring you up to, to business class. So here I am, and I, I feel like I'm a pretty good friend and a pretty good leader. And so I'm with my friend, and uh, his name was Josh. And I said, brother, I love you, but not that much. I'm going up to business class. Now, here's what I want to say to you. While you're waiting on the plane, pitch a tent and praise him. Because God is looking for double portion. But here's where many of you are at. God wants to take you up to business class in the spirit realm. But you're too worried about your friend back in economy. Okay, now, hear the word of the Lord. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about ministry where you love somebody. Now, by the way, when I went up there, I mean, you can go back and check on your friend once in a while. That's fine. But let the Lord take you up to business class. Could it be? Do you love, come on, just let me feel the love for a second. Tell, tell me, Pastor, I love you. Tell me. Come on. Okay. Could it be that sometimes we don't go to the next level because we're too worried about the people that are back here? Relationships hold us down. Relationships or we're too concerned. And so we never go to the next level spiritually because we're too concerned or we're being held down by certain relationships. If you want double portion in your life, you've got to be a person that will be abandoned. And when God says go, you go. Come on, somebody. When the Lord says move on up, you move on up to the higher things in God. You go on up to the deeper things of God. You know, a couple of years ago, I took my dad with me. My dad is 70 years old and celebrating 50 years in the ministry. And so I come from a deep heritage in the ministry. My wife's Parents are in the ministry as well. And so we thank God for that heritage. So my dad, who spent 20 years in Africa, also pioneered a a ministry to Muslim immigrants in in Europe. So I said, Dad, why don't you come back with me? And so we were going to go to Kenya and Tanzania. And so he's 70 years old, and I just wanted him to be rested and, and just not feel the rigors of that long journey. And so we got on the plane and when we got to Amsterdam, where we were going to switch, switch planes, I was supposed to get a boarding pass. So I, got the board, I went up to get the boarding pass, and the lady says, oh, this, this plane is booked. I don't have you in this system. I said, well, here's my receipt, and here I am. So obviously, I've got a ticket, and I need to get on that plane. No, she said, every seat is taken, and you know, you're going to have to go tomorrow. And I said, you don't understand. I said, I have to speak at a conference tomorrow, and I, I really need to be on this airplane. And, uh, and so, I, you, know, what, you know, what can we do? She says, well, just sit down over there. So here's what I decided to do. Now, here's what I want to share with you. 20 years ago, I'd have been irate. 20 years ago, I would have been angry. I'd have probably slipped into the flesh. I know you never do, but <laughs> I'd have probably said some things about what I deserve and what I had paid. But I guess getting a little older and I'm trying to learn a few things. And so I just went over on the side and I decided to pitch a tent. Come on, somebody. And praise him. And I was just with my dad. And I'm thinking, too, all the things I'm trying to take care of my dad who's physically, you know, uh, having some challenges. And so after a few minutes, a lady calls me. Now, I say a few minutes, closer to an hour. She calls me up and said, Mr. Lehman, come on up. And she slid across the counter. She didn't say anything, but she just slid across two boarding passes that said 1A. 
and one B. Hallelujah. Say double portion, double portion, double portion. Someone say pitch a tent. See, I just want to encourage you today, whatever you're waiting for, if you'll just pitch a tent and praise him, it could be he's just after you. You know that, don't you? He can give you a miracle in an instant. What he wants more than anything is you. Is your heart, is relationship with you, with time with you. It's not about the stuff. It's about you. It's about your relationship. It's about, he just wants all of your heart. So in the middle of the waiting, what's the test? The test is to pitch a tent and praise him. The test is to learn to talk to him face to face and to develop that kind of intimacy. Can you say amen? amen. Say waiting for the miracle, waiting for the miracle. So number one, pitch a tent. Come on, pinch your neighbor and say, you got to pinch a tent. Say, you got to pitch a tent. I didn't say pinch a tent. I said pinch your neighbor, but pitch a tent. Go to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16. Acts 16. Number one, you pitch a tent. And number two, look at Acts chapter 16. Now, you know this account. You know that Paul and Silas... We're thrown into jail for preaching the gospel, for praying for a girl to get set free from the demonic. Acts chapter 16. So they're thrown in jail. I know you have this memorized, but look at it with your eyes. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison door open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. So here they are. Draw this up on your video screen. They're thrown into prison. And Paul looks at Silas and bumps him, says, hey, you know what? I think we need to praise the Lord. They begin to worship the Lord. They begin to praise the Lord. And God releases power in that place and breaks their chains. Number two, you got to get the right partners and praise him. Number one, pitch a tent and praise him. Number two, get the right partners and praise him. Now, let me tell you the, the mistake the devil made here. The mistake the devil made is that he put Paul and Silas in the same cell. See, he should have put them in separate places. The Bible says in Matthew 18 that when two come together, watch out, when two come together, there he is. And if two agree on something, they're going to receive. So if you're in the middle of a holding pattern, I want to submit to you that God is trying to get you around the right partners. But some of you have never had any partners. You've just had parasites. You know what a parasite is, right? Growing up in Africa, I've had plenty of parasites, plenty of amoebas, plenty of worms. And when you, you get a worm or you get an amoeba, that thing eats off of the host organism. So whatever, you're, you're really, really hungry and then you eat and then that thing takes all of, its, all of the nutrients. That's a parasite. But some of you, that's all you've had. We call that codependency. Where the kind of relationships you have, they just suck the life out of you. They're not giving anything, they're just taking See, God doesn't want a codependent relationship. He wants you to have wholesome, integral, healthy relationships where you're receiving, but you're also giving. 
And some of you have only had parasitical relationships. God wants you to have partners, people that will propel you to the kingdom of God, people that will stand by you, people that will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death, people that will help you climb a few mountains, people that will be partners with you. Paul had the right partner so that even if you're in a prison of pain today, watch this, if you're in a prison of pain, but you got the right partners, you're going to praise him, you're going to be healed, and he's going to break the chains off of you. But you got to get the right partners. And that's why you're here in New Philly is you're trying to build some wholesome, integral relationships with people of the same DNA, people that will propel you to the kingdom of God. Say partner, say partner, say partner. Let me show you two scriptures with regard to that. Look at Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter four. Waiting for... The miracle. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9. Watch this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now watch this. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Come on, slap your neighbor and say, quit being a parasite. Come on, quit being a parasite. Come on, slap somebody twice. Say, quit being a parasite. Two are better than one. But aren't you tired of parasites? Come on, somebody. Don't you want somebody that will contribute to the relationship who's more interested in you as a person than what they can just get out of you? See, in the kingdom, it's all about partnership. Amen. But I've been around a little bit and I've been in a few churches. And a lot of times it's all about building your own kingdom and building what you can get out of something instead of what you can give. How many people know it's an upside down kingdom? It's not about what you get. It's about what you give. A lot of people go to church thinking, what can I get? I got news for you. It's not about what you get or how great the presentation is. It's about what you can do to serve. Tell me you love me for a second. Let me feel the, let me feel the Asian love, the love from Korea, from Asia. Look at Matthew 18. I know you haven't memorized. I, I alluded to it. Look at it. Matthew 18, verse 18. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. You haven't memorized. 18, 19. Again, I tell you that if two of you agree on earth... About anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. So you're getting the right kind of partners that even if you're in a prison of pain today, even if you're in a financial disaster today, even if you're having a difficult time in your life, they're not going to be the kind of people that jet. No, they're going to be the people that stay with you, hurt with you, cry with you, walk with you. But they're the right kind of partners. You'll praise the Lord with those partners. It'll release power in your life. Chains will fall and you'll burst into your destiny. You say amen. Can you say amen in Korean? Hallelujah. Amen. In French, hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> say waiting for the miracle, waiting for the miracle. Uh, years ago, before we had kids, my wife and I, we traveled around the world. Started in Europe, went down to Africa, 
went through Asia, the South Pacific. I wish I had time to tell you the miracles. Uh, we didn't have any money at all. How do you go on a round-the-world trip without any money? But we had a car, so we knew this. If you need, if you need a harvest, you've got to sow big seed, right? So that's the only thing we had. So we sowed our car. By the way, when you give a car away, I, it's so wonderful to find a family, somebody that needs it. You just hand them the keys and talk about touching your heart, seeing them weep as they were praying and believing God for that. And it was a joy. We didn't tell anybody. We gave the car. That very night, we gave the car away in the morning on a Saturday morning. Saturday night, we went to a church. And that very night, a businessman came up and said, Oh, I heard you're going on a trip. I want to sow $5,000 into your church. I said, Hallelujah. <laughs> So I went and bought my around-the-world ticket. And I thought, well, I may not eat, when it, but at least I got my ticket. Hallelujah. So we get to England. That was the first place that we were, were ministering. And uh, God was just graciously opening doors. So we were traveling around England and preaching. And uh, we preached for a church where the associate pastor was bivocational. And uh, so the church wasn't able to pay him full time. And, so the church took an offering for me and my wife, she said, we really ought to give that to the associate pastor. And I said, oh, that's great. Let's do that. And I was going to preach at a church that night. So we got the offering and it was it was 100 pounds, which back then was 160 some dollars. And so we gave the offering uh, to the pastor and I was going to preach at the other church that night. And Sarah said, you know what, when we give this, let's believe God for double portion. Say that out loud, double portion, double portion. So we sowed the seed and we just gave it. It's not that we we're looking to get, but you know, you, you reap what you sow, right? So we gave the offering and that night I went to that church and I had in the back of my mind, that church had really blessed me before when I had administered there. And so I went there and I'm preaching my heart out. I'm praying for people for hours. At the end, no offering at all. And uh, so... So my heart sank. <laughs> now, the next day, and this is a true story. The next day, we went to the next place where we were going to minister. And I had $2. That's a little over. No, I had two pounds, which was a little over $3 at the time. Now, when I say I had, that's all. I'm not teasing you. That's all I had. I didn't have like a savings account or anything. That's all I had. Now, before that, I would have been worried as can be, thinking, how can I leverage? Maybe I can get a cash advance. Maybe I can call my parents, get somebody in the family to wire some money. I'll just, or I'll put it on the credit card. But as we were going to the next place, a miracle happened in my life. And I was reading Matthew 6, which I had read many, many times. But how many people know it makes a difference when you read it here, but suddenly it drops down in your spirit? And you know what I read? I read that he likes me and loves me more than a bird. If he'll take care of a bird, he'll take care of me. And the joy of the Lord hit me. I started laughing in the spirit. I'm laughing and laughing. I got $2. (laughs) It's the joy of the Lord. Come on, put your hands out like this. Say, God loves me more than a bird. Come on, God loves me more than a bird. Come on, he likes you. Hallelujah. He likes you if he loves a bird. If he likes you, he likes you more than a bird. If he takes care of a bird, he's going to take care of you. That was incredible revelation to me. And so we went to the next place and went to the next. (laughs) You know, it's so interesting. My kids today, this is so much fun, but my kids, the difference between my girls and my boys, my girls love their American girl dolls and they even brought them to church with them. They're here. Praise the Lord. They're, 
They're waiting for a miracle over there. But my boys, it's all about fighting. They got their swords that we bought yesterday at Incidon. They got their swords, and that's pretty typical in our house. I never know when I'm going to get attacked with a Nerf gun or a sword or something. So I go to the next place, and a young couple comes up to me. They said, oh, we were in a meeting where you were preaching. And the Lord really touched us. We were really blessed by your ministry. And we wanted to give to you, but we just didn't have anything at the time. I said, but we want to sow into your ministry right now. So they gave me an envelope. And I said, oh, God bless you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Back to my room and opened it up. And it was 200 pounds. Say double portion, double portion. The point I'm making is this, is that if you'll just learn to pitch a tent and praise him, If you learn to get the right partner, see, it takes money to go around the world and preach the gospel, right? It takes it takes resources to do things, but you got to have the right partners. It takes ministry relationships. It takes people in your life. As pastor said, a lot of you have been hurt. It's going to take people to release healing to you. A lot of times you've been hurt by somebody. Ladies, if you've been hurt by guys, it's going to take somebody, a godly man, a godly father that will look you in the eyes and say, you know what? I love you. I love you like a daughter. I love you like a sister in the Lord. That kind of release of right relationship will bring healing to you. That's the right kind of partnership. Amen. And that's why you're here. You get the right partners and you praise him. Someone say waiting for the miracle. Say waiting for the miracle. So number one, you pitch a tent and praise him. Number two. You get the right partners and you praise him. Now I want you to look at Joshua chapter 6. Joshua 6. Another familiar passage and and then I'll bring this home. But look at Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Do you feel like today that some things are shut up for you? Is it a career? Is it relationships? Is it your ministry? Do you feel like some things are shut up? Watch this. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of rams in front of the ark on the seventh day. March around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse. And the people will go up, every man straight in. And so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. Now draw that up on your video screen. Here the Lord says, you know what? This is a city shut up. This is a walled up city. He says, I want you to march around this city seven Times. The third point is this. You got to persevere. Say persevere. Come on, touch your neighbor. Say you got to persevere. You got to persevere. So one, you got to pitch a tent and praise him. Number two, you've got to get the right partners and praise him. Number three, you've got to persevere and praise him. Sometimes you've just got to stand on what God has told you and persevere and praise the Lord. See, they persevered and followed and faithfully followed God's command of walking around the walls. If you're waiting for a miracle, sometimes it's not about all the things that you do exteriorly, but it's simply saying, you know, God, I'm going to obey you, even if it looks crazy on the outside. Even if it looks insane to everybody else, I am going to obey you and I'm going to persevere in what you have called me to do. Can you say amen? amen? Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Look at 
Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Say that out loud. Rewarded. Rewarded. You need to persevere. Say persevere. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So there's this idea of persevering. If you're on the plane today, if you're waiting for a miracle, pitch a tent and praise him. Look around for the right partners and praise him and persevere and praise him. Now, God is God's promising you today that there will be a reward. I want to submit to you that it could be that he's setting you up for double portion. And that's why he wants you to wait. And out of our humanity, we're frustrated. We get irritated. We get angry. That's all so human. I understand that. But God, if you'll trust me in this, he's wanting you to wait so that you can learn to develop intimacy, so you can learn to get the right relationships, and so that you can persevere. And out of those three principles, watch this, he's going to release double portion to you. He wants to reward you. Say reward, reward, reward. This word reward is the Greek word misthepodosia. Mythopodosia is a compound word. The first part of the word is mytha, which means money. Podosia means foot. It's where we get our word podiatrist. So what it literally means here, a foot doctor, mytha meaning money, podosia meaning foot. What he's saying here is that your reward, in this case, it was money, is walking to you. So the idea here is that your reward is walking to you. You heard what I said. Sometimes when you're waiting on the plane, you're ready, but nobody else is. So what do you got to do? You persevere and stand your ground. The Bible says this, having done all, I stand. Sometimes it's not about any more warfare, any more binding or loosing. It's just simply standing, pitching your tent, praising him, getting the right partners and praising him and perseverance. And the Bible says this, miss the Pazosia, your reward will start walking to you. Oh, come on, somebody. Doesn't that, doesn't that set you free? See, doesn't that set you free? It's not. Sometimes it's not about you going after See, I know your culture a little bit. I know that there's such an intensity here of doing, doing, doing. I understand that. But sometimes God wants us to rest in him and let him bring the reward to us. So I know there's got to be a lot of pressure. I mean, I admire. I wish the U.S. had a little bit of that culture in us to work harder. Come on, somebody to to be fastidious, to be diligent. To work, but sometimes you can go to the other side where it becomes works driven. And when it comes to the love of the Father, it's not always about works. And He's saying, you know what? Just rest and let miss the Pedosia, let the reward walk to you. If God has you in a holding pattern, it could be that He just wants you to develop intimacy with Him and let the reward come to you instead of you going after the reward. Can I just submit to you sometimes? In our passion, in our fire, we're so busy going after. And God says, there's nowhere else for you to go after. Just I'm here. Just rest in me and I'll bring you the reward when it's time. Can you say amen? Amen. I'll close with this. We have a wonderful, wonderful lady in our church, Jamie. And I have permission to share her testimony. But Jamie grew up in Las Vegas. And uh, her mommy was a heroin addict. We have little ears in the room, so 
you can just fill in all the blanks of her lifestyle on the street. And so Jamie grew up in a very painful, painful environment. She was passed around from home to home as a little girl. Uh, Just all the instability of that. Everyone said, you're just going to be like your mom. They told her that, literally. You're just going to end up being like your mom. But then God showed up. And at the age of 16, the Lord came and rescued her. The beautiful thing is the Lord saved her and protected her from any kind of abuse. It was miraculous, but saved her at the age of 16. She felt the call of God so strong, she went on to college, got her degree in pastoral ministries, and then moved to Florida. And when we met her, she was ministering with a ministry called Impact, which is similar to Campus Crusade on the university, campus of the University of South Florida. But Jamie was single and just a lot of hurt, a lot of pain in her life just because of her background. And we walked through so much with her for healing, through deliverance. And one of the things that she struggled with was so much was just loneliness and having a hard time believing that God would have a family for her. And so we prayed and prayed and prayed. And I'll never forget, we were finishing up a 40-day fast, a corporate 40-day fast. And on the 40th day, she met a young man named Phil. Phil came to our church and they started their relationship. If I had time, I would tell you, and she would openly share this with you as well, just how because of just this pastor, this is amazing how the Lord sets all this up. Just as pastor was saying that so many times out of our own hurt and vulnerability, we push other people away. And yet it's through other people that the healing is going to come. And so in their relationship, she pushed him away and pushed him out of fear. Fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, fear of intimacy. But yet as we walked through with her and we stuck it out and and watched this, she had the right partners. She had the right partners. We walked with her. We said, listen, Jamie, God wants to heal your heart. and He wants to bless you with this incredible marriage and an incredible family. So shortly after, after taking him through premarital counseling and everything, had the privilege of doing their wedding ceremony. It's still the most beautiful wedding we've ever been a part of. Uh, it's just, it was like a movie. It was so, so wonderful. They got married and they wanted to start their family right away. So they began to pray. And it wasn't long after, three months, three, four months later, they called us so excited. Pastor, we're pregnant. We're expecting. We're expecting. We rejoiced. We were shouting. Just so happy for him. A number of weeks later, we got a call and she had miscarried. Just crying and crying. And you know what? I went over to their place and just holding them and crying with them. And I want to say this just as a, as a footnote for ministry for you. You know, when somebody loses something, somebody, a lot of times it's not about what you say. In fact, you, you, many times you don't say anything. Just cry. Just weep with them. You don't have the answer anyway. You don't know. A lot of times we think we've got the answer. We spiritualize. Don't spiritualize it. Don't try to come up with some answer because you don't know. Just be honest. You really don't know. So just cry. So we just wept and cried together. We said, Jamie, don't give up. Let's pray. God wants to bless you. So we waited a couple more months and then she called again. They were so, so excited. We're pregnant. We're expecting. We're so excited. We were rejoicing with them. This time, the baby, I think we we went to about seven or eight weeks, and she lost that baby. You can imagine. I can't even describe to you the heartache and the pain and the agony of that. We cried. My children, we prayed for that baby every night, and yet we cried and cried and cried. 
And I'll never forget, now it got more intense. Because now it was, I must be being punished. Even though you don't always say it, but I must be being punished for the sins of my mom. It is just going to be like my mom. I'll never have a family. This is, I can't break the generational curse. I can't break the, the generational hold on my family. You can imagine. And we're just begging her, Jamie, please, please don't give up. Please don't give up. Let's pray. God loves you. God loves you. We don't understand this, but it doesn't change his love for you. We don't understand what you're walking through, but it doesn't change his love for you. So we prayed and prayed. About a month or two later, she was expecting again. This time she called her husband at work. He said, I, I don't know if I can go through this again. I don't know if I can walk through this again. And so we just begin to fast. We begin to pray. And as the months went on, we found out that not only did she have a baby. Come on, somebody. Say double portion. And so about a year after that, I had the privilege of dedicating Chase, a little boy, and Zaya, a little girl. Come on, say double portion. Say it out loud, waiting for a miracle, waiting for a miracle. Now listen, maybe you haven't been through the heartache of two miscarriages. But there could be some things in your life where you feel like you're waiting for the miracle. Please pitch a tent and praise him. Use the time to get the right partners. Build your relationships. Focus on that, on relationships that will last you a lifetime. And thirdly, just persevere. I beg you as a big brother in the Lord, if I could just say this, please persevere. Stand strong. Just persevere. Hold on to the word of God and watch this as you're in a holding pattern. Eventually, he's going to say, you know what? We're going to land this plane right now. I'm living my destiny. There's no doubt. I'm more fulfilled than I've ever been fulfilled as a pastor as a founding pastor, traveling the nations as well as pastoring my church, my, my children, I'm living my destiny. And he wants to do the same for you. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, he sure loves you. Come on, God loves you. <laughs> pastor, are we okay time-wise? Are we okay for some ministry? Yeah? Okay. I, I, I just want to... I want to give us an opportunity to respond to the word. The way I describe it is this. You know, when you when you write a when you want to burn a CD down, you know, you click that and it says write the CD and then it goes over. So, right. We just wrote some things, but now we need to let it burn down. Amen. You wrote some things up here, but now I just want to let it burn down in your spirit. And so I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the word. A couple of things before we start ministering, just. And I, I follow a pastor, whatever he wants to do. As far, I don't know what your time schedule is. But if we start laying hands on you, uh, there's a couple little tools the Lord gave me. Uh, years ago when I was a youth pastor, I was praying for my kids. And the Lord told me, he said, Eric, I want you to shoot the power into people. I want you to shoot the power into these kids. I said, Lord, you mean like, like shoot it? He said, yep. So I lined them all up. Hallelujah. And I started practicing, so I was going to shoot. Didn't always work, so I thought, try some. 
say, what are you doing? Well, the Bible says this. Now, to him who's able to do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine, according to the power. Greek word dunamis, dynamite, according to the power that's at work within you. So I've got some dynamite that I just need to release. You know what the word work there is? It's energia, where we get our word energy. You know what energy means? Power that is vigorously exerted. So I said, hmm, that's my scripture. Hallelujah. Because so, I said to the Lord, I said, God, you got to give me a scripture for that one. Hallelujah. So, so I'm just going down, just releasing. And then there was this kid they brought to the meeting. He had been in an accident and he broke his ribs. And so I said, ooh, I'll shoot him. Hallelujah. So, so shot him. And his whole side started to shake under the power. Now, with kids, you know, it's the real deal. So all the kids come running around. Ha! Look, it's moving! It's moving! It's moving! (laughs) Here's what happened. The Lord supernaturally knit his ribs together. The kid was healed. I said, it works! So, if pastor's okay with that, I might have to shoot you a little bit. If that, that's okay. Hallelujah. Now, the other little weapon is that then the Lord told me that sometimes the enemy attacks us. And Greek word katadunaste, oppress, where he begins to weigh heavily on our minds, smother us. And it's almost like claws or hooks that come in our back. So, the Lord told me, he said, hey, take your arm. And cut things off like a sword. Like that, Lord? And so I could take you to Psalm 118 where it says the enemy came around, but in the name of the Lord, I cut him off. And so then I was in Kenya and while I'm preaching, here came this woman in the middle of the service, fully demonized and screaming and shouting and pointing at me and. She came right up to the front. But see, when God's moving, I just, while I'm ministering, just walked over and just took the sword out. Hallelujah. (laughs) So we didn't have to do a long, drawn-out thing. I just took the sword out and just went. (laughs) And so she hit the deck. Flopping around down there like a fish. But she got up totally delivered. Can, so, I just don't. I just want you to be aware if we start ministering. But I might just quietly lay hands as well. <laughs> Let's stand to our feet today. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone say, "Waiting for the miracle." Say, "Waiting." Waiting for the miracle. I want you to close your eyes, lift your hands toward heaven if you feel comfortable with that.